0: Jesus is condemned. Women are bound in blood with Christ. Gathered at Pilate's house when we hear Jesus has been taken there. Some nearly faint when Pilate sentences him to be crucified. After they have taken him away to be flogged, we settle him to wait. Early on, there has been some tension between the women of Jerusalem and the Galilean women. But we soon discover that our shared love for Jesus erased all differences among us. Married the woman from Magdalene, became my group friend. It is easy to see why Jesus so obviously loved her. It is equally easy to see why Peter is jealous of her. Peter, like any of the other men, is unused to having to take women into account anyway. None of the men are as comfortable with us women. It was that ease that gave me the courage to approach him and that taking care of I had been bleeding for twelve long years. I had spent all my money on physicians and still I went. Because of the loss of No matter what, I am bound in the blood of this man. He made holy the blood that flows through me, and holy is the blood that will be spilled here. Of being told it was because I was possessed of demons. Eighteen years of being alternately shunned and preached at, he set me free. It was Sabbath, and I had gone to the synagogue to pray. It was usually my only outing of the week, since I rarely risked the scorn of the streets. I noticed him teaching when I entered. And tried to listen without being noticed. To my dismay, he called to me. I saw the other men look at me, and I shrank from their disgust. But he smiled and beckoned, and my fear dropped away. As I walked up to him, the other men drew back, but he didn't shrink away. Instead. He stood up, and to my surprise, he put his hands on me. It felt so good. No human being had touched me except to shove me aside or abuse me since I was 11. That was when my back had began to curve. By the time I was 12, I was as bent as an old boy. Now, in my 29th year, the man was touching me with kindness. If he had done nothing more than that, it would have been enough. But he didn't stop there. He said, you're ready, of your are As he spoke, a warmth flowed from his hands through my shoulders and down my spine. The pain vanished. Then he put his hand under my chin. Lifted my head. As he did so, I stood up straight. Alleluia's rang from my mouth, and I looked skyward for the first time in years. I raised my arms over my head and praised God, for I knew from whence had come this blessing. But then a synagogue official came bustling up, and he was very angry. There are six days each week for manual labor. Come and be healed on one of those days. Do not come on the Sabbath, he announced to the crowd of the gathering. And then he turned wrathfully on to Jesus. I was horrified. I wanted no harm to come to this man on my account. But Jesus just looked at him calmly and said, How incredible. Do you not untie your donkey or your ox and take it for water on the Sabbath? This woman, this daughter, Sarah, has been in bondage for 18 years. Why not release her on the Sabbath? And the officials were confused. But the people and I were not. We were filled with joy at his wonders and his words. I tried to kneel before him, but he stopped me, holding my hand. What we said then remains just between the two of us. I will tell you this I will follow this man to Jerusalem, and I know as I watch him take up the cross, and I will follow him anywhere, even to Calvary and beyond. Phoenicia by religion, a Canaanite. The Jews call me a pagan. I am a foreigner in their culture, outside their God's covenant, and thus despised. But unlike many of them, I knew from the second I saw him that this was a very special night. He had come quietly to the region of Tyre and Sidon, not wanting anyone to know he was there. But I recognized him as a holy man, and in my great need, threw myself at his feet. Have mercy on me and my daughter, for she is possessed by a devil, I feel. Jesus didn't say anything. But I wouldn't give up. My daughter's life was at stake. I would have stayed there until I died to get help for her. Finally, some of the men with him said, Give her what she wants. She's shouting at us. She will never go away. Jesus turned to me and said,
1: Is it fair to take the children's food and throw it to their dogs?
0: Yes, I
2: said to him but
0: the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the family table. Jesus smiled at me. Great is your faith. Be it done as you desire. I leapt up and ran home. When I rushed into my daughter's room, she was sitting up in bed smiling. The demon was gone. In joy, I praised God. Now, as my daughter and I walk along behind him, our grief rings out against the walls of Jerusalem. My daughter gasps as we see him fall. His mother is standing at a turn in the street, and her hands reach out, just as they must have done countless times when he was an infant learning to walk. He pushes himself up and staggers on word tender gesture of mothers from the beginning of time. Their eyes, so alike, meet and hold, neither of them weeps, although Mary's entire body looks broken with grief. The soldiers are uneasy, looking away. None of them are very old, and I suspect they can't help but think of their own mothers. Finally, one of them puts his hand on Jesus' back, almost gently, and says in a breath voice, he will be His mother's hand falls back to her side, wet with blood from his face. She looks after him, then slowly puts the red hand to her face and links off the blood, every drop. Me, for I am heavily burdened. of silence. Simon knows me all too well. Looks up and says, "All is well. Come, follow me." The shorter this ordeal will be. I hear the keening of the women long before I see them. The Roman soldiers turn the corner at the bottom of my street, and there he is. A richly dressed black man has been pressed into carrying the crossbeam. Probably because the soldiers are afraid Jesus will die they can kill him. Jesus already is staggering on the steps of the narrow street, and my heart breaks at the sight. As he slowly nears my door, I see in horror that they have put a crown of thorns onto his head. Some soldier's idea of fun. The thorns have pierced his scalp, and blood courses down his face, nearly blinding him. As the soldiers push past, I remove my veil and shove myself toward him. To my surprise, the soldiers let me through. I bend beside him and put my veil to his face to wipe away the blood. He puts his hands over mine, holding the soft cloth to his face for a few seconds. Then he hands it back to me with a sigh and a small smile. A soldier grabs my shoulder and sets me aside, and Jesus continues on his slow, painful way up the sloping street. Tears begin to run down my face. And I lift my veil to wipe them away. As I look at my veil, I nearly scream. For there, looking back at me, is the true image of his face. I hold it to my heart, and I weep.
1: Look, he called out to the men with him. This poor widow's gift is worth far more than all the other contributions, for they gave for, for they gave of their abundance from the money they have left over, while she gave all the money she had from the little she has to live on. At first I was embarrassed to have all these men looking at me, but then I realized he was not making fun of me but instead he was doing me an honor. I had heard about this man's teachings, but I had been too shy to get near enough to hear him. I had never had time to study very much, and I was afraid I was too stupid to understand this great man's teachings. But as I heard, heard more that day, I realized that many of his teachings were like this. Simple stories of everyday people used to illustrate important points. So I stayed to listen, and listening discovered new depths in myself. That's why, when he fell again, I looked away, unable to bear the sight of his humiliation. This man changed my life. The least I can do is be with him as they take.
0: We agreed to meet later in the upper room of the house where we had shared our serviceada with Jesus the day before. As I watched Cleopas Lee, I realized it was the first time we had been apart in years, certainly since we had decided to follow Jesus. For the past year we had travelled with him as he taught, watched over him as he slept marveled at the miracles he performed and wondered at the things he told us. Most of all, we loved him. Our bond with one another had been strengthened by our bond to him. It is that bond that endangers us. He has been seen with him too often. But my womanhood renders me to the Romans, to many of my own people as well. Women are simply part of the background, regarded by Jewish and Roman authorities alike as non persons, unemployed, negligent. We Marys often had talked of this among ourselves and reminded one another that our namesake, the prophet Miriam, Also have been thrust into the background. So we know we can stay here in relative safety as long as we don't create too much of an uproar or irritate powerful men. But we are all used to living with such strictures. They are part of being a woman, like water is part of us. That's why, as we walk through the streets behind Jesus and the soldiers, all the lament rising above the heads of the shoppers and the merchants in their doorway, one part of my brain is busy gauging the reaction of the Romans. Are they getting angry? Are we pushing our luck too far? Deep as my grief is, for his mother's sake, I know I have to stay alert for any change in their mood. That might endanger her. Each time he falls, my heart breaks anew. When he came face to face with his stricken mother, I felt as if I were choking on wormwood and gall. And now, just as we approach the city gate, he falls yet again. My heart lurches, for he does not move. Is he dead? Is it over? Hope and grief war in my soul. But then one of the soldiers grabs the bucket from an old woman not in a shop and pours the dirty water over him. As he stirs, his mother groans. It isn't good he rises and walks unsteadily on through the gate. We follow, walking toward welcome. Jesus is stripped of his garments. May our children sit beside you and drink of your cup. You know what you are asking. As we walk through the city gate and onto that dreary hillside, I think I may faint. This cannot be happening. time I thought it's over, he is dead. And for a second, a mad hope possessed me. Maybe the suffering could end like this instead of on that terrible travesty of a tree. My two sons, James and John, had gone away with the other men but I suspect John Wilson will soon return. He will never let Jesus die alone, even if it means risking his own arrest. Both my boys have been with Jesus from the time he called to them while they were mending the nets with my husband Zebedee in our family fishing boat on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He is their cousin, we all knew he was something very special, meant for bigger things than carpentry or catching fish. When I began to understand just how big, I went to him and requested a favor. What do you want, he had asked me, that these sons of mine may sit beside you, one on your right hand, on your left when you are in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, he said gently. And turning to me, to my sons, he said, Can you drink the cup that I will drink? And they replied, Yes, we can. So be it, he said, You shall drink my cup, but positions of power are not mine to give. They are awarded by God, our Creator. After that, Jesus often teased my sons, calling them the sons of thunder. Some suppose he's referring to my husband but our whole family knows he's referring to me, so I am ambitious for my boys, but I also know that wherever this man goes, I want my sons to go. For good or ill, this is their destiny, and that of my husband and me. Him standing on this windswept hillside. I am realizing just how bitter this cup we all must drink will be. I keep remembering him as a little boy, this bright-eyed nephew full of life and joy. His smile would light up the whole house, and his laughter would send us all off in fits of giggles. Now all the laughter is drowning in tears. The Roman soldiers set about their task methodically. Some of them begin preparing the cross, while others strip him of his garments, dividing them among themselves, casting lots for his cloak. His poor, abused body looks so frail as he stands there, exposed to the tears of the crowd. One soldier offers him some wine mingled with gall, but after one taste, he turns his head away. I take his mother's hand, and someone takes mine. It is John, John, Come to be with us at the end. them stripping and pulling down onto Be stoned to death. At daybreak, they dragged me to the temple. There was a man sitting there, surrounded by people. The temple officials threw me to the ground and in front of him. I knew I already was a dead woman. They said, Rabbi, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law says we should stone her. Tell us, what do you say? I was confused. Who was this man? Why were they asking him? What were they up to? The man ignored them, drawing with his fingers in the dust near my face. But they kept at him and kept ignoring them. I finally calmed down enough to focus on what he was doing. There in the dust he had written the unspeakable name of God. What did this mean? But the temple of Christians persisted until he looked up and said quietly, Let the one among you who has not sinned be the first to throw a stone. Then, bending down, he drew some more in the dust, smiling sideways at me. One by one, those who had accused me silently slipped away until he and I were alone. Where have they gone? he asked me. I said nothing. Shaking my head in bewilderment. Tell me, has no one condemned you? He then asked. No one, sir, I said softly. And neither do I, he said. Go now and sin no more. And he helped me to my feet, smiled at me, turned me towards the door, and gave me a gentle push. Go, he said with a smile. And I did. I went and got my belongings, and I set out to find the company of Jesus. He had given me back my life, and I would now give it to him. And now these fools are going to trouble. I hear terrible groan from his mother and look up. Oh, dear God, they're not tying him to the cross. They are nailing him to it. My heart feels every blow of that hammer. As he jerk his feet together and begin driving the nails through that precious skin, his body moves convulsively upward, and I fall, driven to the ground. stretch his naked body out on the cross. Even in this moment of complete vulnerability, he is magnificent. As I look at him through eyes blurred with tears, he is no longer just one man, but seems instead to embody all suffering humankind. Could any human endure such a burden? I would die in his place without a moment's regret that they should touch one hair on that adored head. hurt one inch of that beloved body sickens me with grief and rage. I have loved him forever, it seems, even though I met him only three years ago when he was teaching near my home in Magdala. I knew from the moment we first spoke that he had loved me from before I was born. I would have loved him even if he had not cured me of my affliction taken from me that deep-seated sadness that had clouded my days ever since I had achieved Menarche. For me, becoming a woman had meant confinement in a prison of sadness. I seemed always to walk in darkness. I yearned to end this soul-eating pain. Then I met him, and the sun rose in my life. With a glance, he removed the pall of sadness that had dragged my life With a touch, he lifted me into a realm of spiritual brightness that dazzled my eyes and delighted my soul. He called me beloved disciple, and when the inevitable rumors began, I went crying to him. He gentled my tears away and said, Mary, feel my hand on your face. I am touching the image of God. Nothing they say can change that. Not in my eyes, and certainly not in the eyes of the one who made you. And know this, he said, though they may try, they will never be able to cast you into the darkness. My peace is upon you forever. My peace is upon you forever. I cling to those words as they stretch him out upon that dreadful cross. I brush tears from my eyes and see more clearly what they are about to do. Oh, holy one, help us. They are nailing him to the cross. I turn to shield his mother from the sight, but it is too late. She lets out a low, guttural sound like that of a woman in labor. I put my arm around her shoulders and feel her slight body shudder with every blow of that accursed hammer. When they pull the cross upright and drop it into a hole in the rock, I think the jolt will tear his arms from his body. And for a terrible, internal time, we wait as he slowly weakens. Finally, I hear him give himself to his father. Without looking, I know he is gone from me. And I know if my grief were a river, The whole earth would drown. Mm -hmm. I believe them when the shepherds and the kings came. I believe them when my angel warned Joseph to take us into Egypt. And I believe them when at the temple he disappeared. I fear you had already taken him from me. Much too soon. We searched for him for three whole days, days like years. When we found him teaching in the temple, he but Joseph and I persuaded him to wait a bit longer, and when the time came, it was still too soon by my heart's reckoning. But I had vowed to do your will, and so I helped him any way I could. Many times that meant stepping aside. Occasionally it meant helping others to understand, and always it meant biting my tongue when I feared. He'd gone too far too fast. But this overlook. Is this necessary? Must our child suffer so? We are not worthy of such pain. Take him, take him now before I go mad with rage and pain.
2: But stay. Do not yet. This is the body of my body. before The blood of my blood. I will devour him with my eyes, eating his body, drinking his blood. I will carry him
0: within me forever. This soft summer, oh mother, reaches me as if a dream. I move closer to his feet, as as close as the soldiers will permit. With John beside me, Emma. And Johnny says, He calls your mother. His voice is almost too faint to hear. I am thirsty enough. I turn in silent appeal. The young soldier at the foot of the cross hesitates. Then with a slight shrug, he puts a sponge soaked in cheap wine onto his lambs and hoists it to Jesus. He went to sleep. His words tearing into my heart like knives, it is finished. Then he cries to you, beloved, I'll
2: go into your head like men commend my spirit.
0: He drops his head and his eyes meet mine, and as I wash the Time over, the light returns. Shaken, the soldiers begin taking my child down from the cross. One of the adventurers, I think, motions for them to give me his help. I sit down on a rock, and with a curious gentleman, the soldiers hand him to me, draping him across my lap. I pray, my babe, now man. And walls against my breast. His soft hair stirs my chin. I gently close his eyes. And with my veil I wipe the love of his chief. I have no tears left. My eyes are spent with weeping. My soul is in tumult. My heart is poured out in grief. Because of the downfall of my people. John says something.
2: And I look up,
0: my eyes blazing. Do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. John looks But what do I care? What are all the promises to me now? What do I care for all the fine words of men? My child is dead. And he forces my head back, and I scream to the heavens, My child, I want my down my back, the angel hand, or my head.
2: And I hear
0: a familiar voice saying, Mary, blessed of all women, do not be afraid, for God is please, pleased with me. Mm-hmm. And I remember the promise, all will be well. All manner of things will be well. I allow them to take my son's body from me. They are telling me it's time to him for burial, Solomon, on spices, and Joseph of Arimathea has gotten permission to bury him in his nearby tomb. And so I go through the ritual motionless. As I once laid his sweet body tenderly in the cradle, I now lay his broken body tenderly in the tomb. The smell of the sweet herbs filled the air. For one last time, I kissed his mortal the face, then gently covered it with the sheet of fine white fabric. Would that I have had I such a soft glow There's such a fine cloth, the clothes were But I have no bitterness left. My heart is living in it. We walk outside, James and John push the great stone. And to how long oh my love and how long, as my dear friends move about me, peace settles on me, I am once again in the full youth,